Greetings, game music lovers. I'm Bedroth. And I'm Prop Jeff. And you're listening to part two of the Masters of VGM recap here on Very Good Music. The VGM podcast. Well, welcome back to the podcast, man. Oh boy, yeah, it's been an adventure. I've uh, I'm just wrapping up ten years of graduate school, and you're going to call me Doctor Prof Jeff pretty soon. That's right. That's right. Congratulations. The thing that you weren't quite ready to talk about a couple of months ago when we did the uh, the robot episode because you were still in the thick of it, as it were. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just you know don't want to jinx anything. Right. Worst case scenario, like Absolutely. one of my one of my bad cop advisors hears that I was bragging about having a doctorate already, he might want to come in and break my legs, like he did in twenty nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, that was quite a time. And then yeah, you had to go to India right after that. <laughs> uh no, no, actually, India was before that, which is great because oh, I already like lost a lot of blood. Where does the time go? I, I'm, everything gets all jumbled in my head. Uh, Speaking of time which, time goes um, in the toilet with the blood. <laughs> oh God! Uh, um, well, speaking of the thing I said, not necessarily the thing you said, although you could probably make it work because that's just how your brain is. Uh, yeah. We moved some things around for this particular episode, and either there is going to be a sort of um, stinger section at the end or somewhere where I insert uh, some discussion of a few of these tracks, or there's going to be a part three with a. Uh, sort of a special listener showcase bonus. But uh, in this episode, uh, if you haven't heard the last one, you might want to go back and check that out. Uh, it's not necessarily mandatory listening before you listen to this, but I did explain what the Masters of EGM event is, which I'm not going to do this time around. And we went through, uh, or I went through uh, tracks featuring all 60 composers that appeared on that chart. But today, Prof. Jeff is joining me to showcase some of the tracks picked by our listeners, uh, some of whom are actually VGM podcasters themselves, as well as my honorable mentions for Masters of VGM and Prof. Jeff's own four picks. So mm-hmm. we have more songs than usual to talk about. Uh, what do you say we go ahead and start getting into it? Yeah, let's go for it. Cool. All right. Well, my four honorable mentions, and really, I could have gone either way with this. Uh, there are so many composers who I really admire and like a lot. Uh, I had at one point a list of 10 honorable mentions, and then I cut it down to four just to be fair, because I don't think anybody else did more than four. <laughs> but these four, I'll talk a little bit about why I picked each one after we listen to the track. But first, we're going to check out in-game music from Treasure Island Dizzy. This was composed by the British composer Alistair Bremble. Hmm. Another Hogwarts professor. Let's get on it.
right, once again, that was Treasure Island Dizzy in-game music by Alistair Bremble. What did you think of that, Prof Jeff? Was, was that uh, Commodore 64? That was the ZX Spectrum, or ah, called the okay. ZX Spectrum. Yeah, because yeah, I, I knew that it was... Um, I knew that it One of those had, home too computer much, had too much texture to be an NES song. Yep. Yeah, and uh, Rumble did most of his composing, I believe, at least early on, on the the home computer systems. Uh, that's actually how I found him recently when I was uh, looking up some music for a Spectrum episode, and then I also happened to hear him uh, not too long after that on another podcast. But when I looked into him a little bit more, I was just really, really, really impressed. I think I'd heard his name here and there over the years, but I hadn't really dug too much into him because the European composers aren't really weren't really on my radar at that time with a couple of exceptions but really quickly just I want to get your reaction live go to Wikipedia look up Alistair Bremble and look at the number of games that he has worked on Alistair Bremble had fallen at the Battle of Hogwarts uh, it do, does sound like a Hogwarts name, doesn't it? I oh, totally. Well, even though um, the song actually made me think of the old Rankin-Bass Hobbit movie, which is possibly, it's in the running of like one of the best um, best fantasy films of all time. And oh, yeah, true it's really great. And the of the Rings, I will physically fight people, and I'm like six foot four, <laughs> be ready. Um, wow, this, uh, I, I, expected, I expected the list of tracks to end earlier, but then I had to keep scrolling. <laughs> I know. I was I was so what? impressed. Uh, <laughs> and then I then I yeah. scrolled back up, and it was it seemed to have grown. Um, yeah. It, I, everybody who is listening, whenever you have a second, I definitely go and check out just the sheer number of games this man has worked on. It's insane. Uh, he is still making music to this day. He actually recently, um, relatively recently, released an album on YouTube and Bandcamp called Spectrum Works, where he went back and remixed uh, some of his favorite tracks by his contemporaries from the ZX Spectrum days. And it's it's really cool stuff. It's uh, Alistair Brimble has become one of my favorites, and it's just I think if I had known about him longer, he probably would have ended up on my Mount Rushmore. But he he was definitely the first honorable mention honorable mention that I thought of. Yeah, that's amazing that he would be on this list despite me never ever hearing of him. And, I mean, uh, he's most well-known, I think, for the Dizzy series. A lot of these games, at ah, least in, okay. in the U.S., are not super well-known. Dizzy is uh, is an egg, and I think he's a prince, at least in some games. But he's this anthropomorphic egg who goes on these adventures. And it's m- most of it's side-scrolling, although there are different, there are different genres that the Dizzy games fall into, depending on, you know, what when they were released and what what the developers wanted to do at that time. There was a lot more variety on those home computer system games, uh, for better or worse. Yeah, but. I was scrolling uh, I was scrolling through YouTube one day and I was like looking at retrospectives for like random video game series like a nerd. Um and I mm-hmm. saw like a video about the Dizzy series earlier. Or it was something okay, that yeah. reminds me enough about the Dizzy series that I thought it was that. <laughs> right. One of the things I love about Bremble uh is his music on these computer systems is so much happier and bouncier and crisper than a lot of the other work by uh, some of the more more well-known composers like Rob Hubbard and the Fallen Brothers. And uh, 
I, I really, his music always makes me happy. And Spectrum music is kind of in a, well, Spectrum, Amiga, Commodore, uh, all those, it's kind of an acquired taste. But I feel like Brumble's work could be a nice doorway for a uh, gateway into that for people. So, yeah. So, why this track in particular? I just listened to a few of the Dizzy tracks. I wanted to feature something from Dizzy since that's uh, the, the series that he worked on the most. And this one jumped out at me. So, I picked it. Yeah, but cool. kind of like with our with the next composer, I really could have picked almost anything that Brimble had composed because there's not any like one song that stands out in his repertoire that's really famous. And so I could have picked almost anything because it's all really good. Hmm. And that next composer I mentioned is maybe the one that I am the most surprised didn't appear at all on the Masters of EGM list. Uh, Noriyuki Iwadare. Uh, fairly well known in the video game music podcast scene. I I don't know that his name is that well known outside of this kind this niche, but I was really surprised with as many different podcasters as presented that he didn't show up on the list. I'm sure that he would have been in a lot of people's honorable mentions, but uh, he's composed on. Um, well, if you look up some of his more famous works, which I had, but I'll pull them up real quick. I guess I can start by asking, have you ever heard of Noriyuki Iwadare? No, but I have. I'm looking at the spreadsheet and correcting the typo, and I have heard of Thank that you. game uh, that you were going to mention, and it's a nice a JRPG that looks cool, and I would play it in the list of JRPGs I might play in the future, <laughs> as opposed yeah, to like the, yeah. two, the two I've already beaten. And so I can see, I can see why another JRPG composer would make the list, um, especially and- since the game looks cool. Yeah, and this is another uh, composer who he he's not as prolific as uh, folks like Yuzo Goshiro and Alistair Brumble, but but he's done quite a bit of work, and he's been doing it for a long time, uh, and he still is composing to this day. Not as frequently as he used to, but he still is composing. He his first uh, Noriyuki Iwadari's first composition was for Space Invaders Fukatsu no Hai or no He, not you can correct me in 1990. Um, he is also known for the for Zero Wing. Uh, he's known for the Langrisser series. Uh, the Grandia series may be the most famous that he is known for, but he's also worked on Phoenix Wright. He's worked on Mega Man. Um, he's worked on the Sim series before. Um, he's really kind of kind of had had his hand in a lot of different things. That's really uh, he amazing. Was, That's really amazing resume. Yeah, he's been around for quite a while and jumped around to to different studios and uh, jumped on a lot of different things. And I, I really – his music is very evocative. He's got a really nice ear, and I think he's also done some work in uh, in anime before. I'm not finding anything about that, so I might just be confusing him with some other – with somebody else. But his music definitely has that, that sort of sound to it. So I guess I've uh, – kind of introduced him enough let's go ahead and get into the song we're going to be playing from lunar the silver star the opening theme which is just called lunar once again this was composed by noriyuki iwadare Okay. 
I thought you might. That's uh, part of why I landed on this. That was the opening theme from Lunar the Silver Star. And I, yeah, when I when I mentioned anime, I'd actually forgotten that I'd, I'd chosen this particular vocal track. But yeah, I also picked it because it showcases um, Iwadare's jazzy uh, sensibilities and also his work with, uh, with guitar solos. <laughs> but uh, yeah, what did you... What did you think about this one specifically? It's interesting. I'm, I'm curious to how it would work um, as an opener for a JRPG. Um, Lunar is already all, it's also on my um, vague nebulous list of games that I haven't really played that much. <laughs> but it, it looks really cool. Yep. Um, but I, it's, it, I'm not sure how it would work with a JRPG. I'm sure it would work works fine. But I was thinking of... Uh, the old anime Bubblegum Crisis and that like sort of late 80s aesthetic, like maybe cyberpunk where you have that sort of eight, uh. 80s like peppy, um, peppy J-pop sound, but there's also like a bit of guitars and like edge to it. Um, and it's very, yeah. um, I use the word peppy, like it's also, it's also sort of pleasant, but it's not pleasant in the way that the Treasure Island track is. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you there. Uh, for my money, Iwadari's I- I- been doing this for a long time, but he did his best work on the the early CD systems. He was one of these composers who just came out of the gate and really made the most of the Red Book audio on the PlayStation, the Saturn, the Dreamcast, and just really kind of used that format to its best potential from from very early soundtracks in that generation. But I just love his music. Uh, it, it's all very, very impressive. Uh, do the non-vocal tracks sound similar to that? Some of them do. He's also um, really good, though, at the slower tracks. One of my favorite songs of his, I played it back on the Love episode around Valentine's Day of this year. It's called The the Sandy Beach of Gumbo, and I believe it's from Grandia 2. But mm. it's just a really nice calm soothing piano centric track and so he's he's got range uh, uh really impressive musicality oh, it sounds great gumbo beach you get some crawfish and they're already seasoned oh yeah man throw in some okra and uh yeah some some nice dirty rice good stuff but yeah um so that was noriyuki iwadare my second honorable mention and my third 
Um, <laughs> I, I kind of put him on here for the sake of the kids, especially Dusklight, but um, mm-hmm. I, I also am a big, big fan of this guy's work, and I'm really interested to see what he does in the future, because uh, he's relatively young. He's had some health problems, which is why he's not as prolific as he was when he made the game we're going to be talking about, but uh, everybody at this point has heard of Toby Fox. Um most famous for his work on Undertale and uh, now Deltarune, but he's also branched out and uh, he's composed for a couple of other games with Game Freak, including uh, a couple of tracks on Pokemon Sword and Shield. So he's really kind of making his way. Cool. So which uh, which track are we listening to? Uh, we are going to uh, I. I I toyed with uh, going some different places with this because this is not my favorite of his tracks, but kind of like I did with the the, act, the Masters of EGM Part 1, I decided to go with his most well-known, most recognizable track. So uh, from Undertale, we are going to listen to Megalovania. All right. Here we go again. That was actually Man. a little bit clipped, um, which is weird because it's from the official soundtrack. I may have to find huh. a, 
longer version for the show. Shucks, because I was but, yeah, it ended it ended on a really nice note. I was like, oh, is there more? No, oh well. <laughs> but I mean, this is the way he he cut it for his own soundtrack, so I guess I can't yeah, complain. Philistine. <laughs> Um, I know I was I know I was joking earlier. Um, I was thinking that GTA meme where he's like, "Oh crap, here we go again." <laughs> but I was going <laughs> to the fridge to get another beer while the song was playing in my headphones, and I could not, not I could not not dance, and that like my legs were moving know, right? rhythmically underneath me, and so I had to be really careful. I was like washing out the old beer bottle and getting a new one. <laughs> yeah um, Toby Fox Megalovania that's um, there's a reason that this song t- kind of took the internet by storm and even people who didn't play Undertale uh, ha- had a taste of this one w- were you very familiar with this before um, I played it on the podcast a while back I'm sure I mm, I don't know because I, I play I know I played Undertale before you started mm-hmm. playing it on the podcast I was talking to the goat woman and then I got I got bored, and I realized it wasn't my kind of game. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Megalovania happens way after that. So. <laughs> yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, as as the kids say, it's just not my not my vibe. Uh, yeah. But it, like it, yeah. you know, but I really the song is great. This is the first time I've heard it from headphones. Um, I can't remember. Oh yeah. It's so ubiquitous that I can't remember whether I've heard it for you or whether YouTube just like found me. And knew I mm-hmm. liked video game music, and so it dropped this in my feed. I'm pretty sure this is the most covered video game music track on the internet. Uh, it has been covered and remixed and uh, just reimagined so many different times. And uh, one of those was actually a remix that Toby Fox himself did for Smash when the, uh, uh, the meat costume really for... for yeah, when the Mii costume for Sans, the, the character whose theme this is, uh, was was announced for the game. And Sans, the uh, little skeleton guy with, uh, with the blue jacket and the pink slippers, is um, an uber-powerful character who you only fight if you go through the game and kill all of the other uh, bosses that you face, as yeah. opposed to showing them mercy. The famous genocide and run. Yes, the the genocide run. Yes, um, and also a new track course, and field event at the Olympics if things go downhill. <laughs> of course, the uh, the name of the track here is a portmanteau of megalomania and Castlevania. Uh, you can hear the Castlevania influence in the in some of the instrumentation or just the the choices that he makes uh, tonally speaking. But uh, this is also based loosely on the sound of the song Megalomania from Live Alive, which recently had a, had a re-release on the Switch and was composed by Yoko Shimomura, my favorite. And even the, the track's all caps um, title in the soundtrack list is a callback to Megalomania's all caps listing. And uh, Megalomania, of course, also is... Uh, um, a noun that means obsession with the exercise of power, especially in the domination of others, or a delusion about one's own power or importance, uh, typically as a symptom of maniac or paranoid disorder. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's um, if there was a Mount Rushmore instead of composers, if it was on a song by song basis, um, it would be a bit harder to sculpt the stone to look like a song, but. Um, Megalovania is like right up there with like One Winged Angel and like the Dr. Wily theme and Super Mario 1-1. Yep. Yeah, it would it would definitely be in the running. It's it's skyrocketed to uh, to notoriety over the last 
five or six years. So it's, it's a, it deserves to be there too. Yeah, and I mean the thing is, like I said, this isn't even my favorite Toby Fox track. It's just the the most ubiquitous. But so much of his music is um, just as good, or maybe even better than than Megalovania. So it's it's really saying something. And like I said, he's young, so I'm really interested to see where he goes from here. Hmm. That brings us to my last honorable mention, and this is also a track I have played on the podcast before, but I love it so much I just can't help it. And um, this composer's music is, uh, it, it's just, it's really cool. Another Western composer, a Scottish composer, actually, um, and I, uh, he's composed a lot of different stuff. I recently played a track of his on... BG Mania. This is Barry Leach who we're talking about. Uh, I've also heard it pronounced Lich and Leitch. Um, even by himself when he was interviewed on XVGM Radio, he kind of uh, said it a couple of different ways, so I don't think he really cares too much how you say it. But um, I, he's composed for several different games over the years, but still the soundtrack he may be best known for is Top Gear on the SNES. Uh, so well known for it that when, um, oh gosh, not Horizon Zero Dawn, um, Horizon Chase Turbo, <laughs> the uh, retro style uh, arcade racer that came out a few years ago, maybe more than a few years ago now, but definitely within the last uh, 10 years, uh, had several tracks composed by Barry Leach that were sort of homages to the Top Gear tracks. Now, have you heard of this composer before? No. Well, you may remember this track if you listened to the episode it was on, but we're going to listen to Las Vegas from Top Gear.
Once again, that was Las Vegas from Top Gear. And I didn't mention this before, but that was on the Super Nintendo. What? Yeah, no. that music, that very music was on the Super NES. Wow, oh, that's... <laughs> Man. <laughs> so, I, I yeah. actually do remember, I think I, I was listening to the VG Mania episode where you played this, so it is familiar to me. Um, it actually reminds me, so this might be... Hopefully, don't take this as an insult. I used to own Snowboard Kids for the N64. Uh, oh, no, that's reminds, not an insult at all. That soundtrack is like, great. Yeah, it has like more of a... Kind of had the same... Partly because they're both racing games, and partly because it has sort of a... Almost like trancey kind of soundtrack. Um, it reminded mm-hmm. me of that a lot. But I like that it sort of deconstructs the song and then puts it back together. I'm always a sucker for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's one that's really cool. And it works really well for a racing game because sometimes yeah. these you know, these tracks can go on for a long time and so it's nice to mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Snowboard Kids isn't a very good game though. Or I mean <laughs> I, I, uh, no, because you had Diddy Kong Racing for this thing. I think I rented it once or twice and yeah, I, I don't remember much of it, so that doesn't yeah. bode well. <laughs> well, I mean I think it's like a less less good version of Donkey Kong. No, Donkey uh, Mario Kart. Diddy Kong Racing? Well, oh, Mario the thing Kart. is, yeah, and Mario Kart is already a less good version of Diddy Kong Racing. <laughs> that is not that uncommon of an opinion. I believe it or not, I never got to play Diddy Kong Racing, so I can't uh, <sighs> can't comment myself. It's but. it's good. I mean, I I um I, when I was an undergrad, I actually downloaded it on an emulator and finally beat it. I owned it as a kid, but never got as far, and I just straight mm. up I went the whole nine yards it's kind of it's kind of tedious and kind of you know absurdly difficult but um (laughs) it's a really it's probably the best racing game i've ever played oh cool very cool well uh everything on the top gear soundtrack is sort of a a riff on this melodic theme that uh that um Barry has in this song, but this, for my money, is the best version of it. And this actually, this very same version was reused in Horizon Chase Turbo. Uh, anybody who wants to go back and hear more about Barry Leach can listen to, uh, if you just Google XVGM and Barry Leach's name, then you'll find the episode that he was interviewed on for them. And it's a really, really great episode. He's extremely humble, self deprecating, um, and uh, uh, just really has uh, he has a lot of cool school stories and cool memories of his time composing and um obviously he does great work so, yeah i was gonna ask what yeah. what, what all games does he do <laughs> well this is annoying his wikipedia list is alphabetized it's not chronological <laughs> but Ew. um he he did a lot of work for the amiga actually um so I think he did quite a bit of like port work, um, worked on the C64, a little bit here and there on the SNES um, and other Nintendo systems. But let me see. Uh, he worked on the Game Boy version of The Addams Family by Ocean. He did uh, Eek the Cat on the SNES. That's the BG Mania track I played recently. Um... Uh, he worked on a couple of Gauntlet ports for the Atari. Uh, Gauntlet, the, the top-down four-player game that has mm-hmm. spawned a few successors over the years. Uh, he did almost... Yeah, I don't know much about uh, Atari music. Yeah, the Atari ST specifically is what he composed on here. And it... Um, 
it, it was interesting. It was one of the few sort of um, uh, systems of its kind that was really popular here in the States. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's, you know, so when we talk about the Atari, it's one that folks like you and me actually can, can remember. I don't know if you remember like physically any Atari. <laughs> yeah, no. But <laughs> well, I, I just think of like, uh, I barely do. So I mean, I would have to check that out. Cause I think a lot of the, yeah, I don't think I've heard of the Atari SD. Uh, and then he composed most of the home computer versions of a game called Gemini wing. Um, that's one that, that several, or th- that's one that I've heard several different VGM podcasters talk about. So it may mm. be a little more well-known in that scene. Um, he did Jack Nicholas golf on the NES, which I've heard uh, people play a couple of times. Not a lot that was from the shining. <laughs> not a, uh, not uh, I, I will acknowledge your joke. That was, that was a funny pun. <laughs> that was punny. Very nice. <laughs> um, but, uh, n- not a whole lot that I think a lot of people in the States would know very well. Uh, San Francisco Rush on the N64 and Dreamcast. Or San Francisco Rush 2049, specifically. Um, yeah, not seeing... Then again, Top Gear, of course. Uh, okay, he did Wing Commander 2, Vengeance of the Kilrathi on the Genesis and the SNES, and Wing Commander 3, Heart of the Tiger on the PC. <laughs> but, yeah, not not a whole lot that I think is going to be super well-known for people. He's another one who, kind of like Alberto Gonzalez, at least in the, in the U.S., is much more well-known among video game music aficionados than he is among, like, the average listener you're you're not going to find the average gamer who who knows the name barry leach so yeah i I got my doctorate in something other than video game music so i don't know the gonzalez person you mentioned either at least i can't remember them right now uh well nobody's perfect um (laughs) yeah when you when you get a little bit caught up on some of the masters of egm episodes if you if you have time to do so uh or if you listen to um to mine on bg mania uh well, uh, actually, the intro track for our robot episode was Metal Beat from Metal Masters. That's my favorite Alberto Gonzalez track. Yeah, okay. That was the but, one where you, you didn't tell me to listen to the track before we started talking about it. And so... Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you said, how was that? I said, oh, yeah, I guess it was fine. <laughs> but uh, you can also stay tuned because you, you may have occasion to hear some more Alberto Gonzalez music on Beachy Mania here pretty soon. So cool. <laughs> but yeah, um, now uh, that, that's, those are my honorable mentions for Masters of EGM. Hi, everyone. Future Bedroth here. Uh, those of you who downloaded this episode and looked at the link may have noticed uh, wait, I thought Bedroth said this episode was going to be a really long one. What's going on? Well, the episode turned out so long that at the uh, suggestion of my uh, co-host for this episode, Prof. Jeff, I've decided to break it into three parts to kind of let each part shine on its own. This part was a little bit of a teaser for the rest uh, as it, it featured my honorable mentions, as you just heard. Uh, 
The next one, which is going to be dropping tomorrow, is going to be the meat of the show. It's going to be the Listener Showcase. We are featuring a couple of different pockets of composer recommendations from two of our biggest fans, uh, one of whom I'm a mutual fan of. Uh, Keyglyph is going to be making a brief appearance on the show, and I'll be playing a few tracks from the composer she recommended, plus a few people that Utopia Nemo uh, recommended as composers who he wanted to make sure got mentioned at some point in this event. Then we'll be moving on to the 12 tracks that I selected from the composers that listeners recommended when I sent out the all call as I was preparing the episode. Uh, Jeff joins me once again for those 12 tracks. Uh, I tackle the Keyglyph and Nemo portion solo at the beginning of the episode. But like I said, you can download that tomorrow. It's about two hours, so still pretty manageable. And then I will follow that one up with part three, uh, two days from now. And I guess uh, we'll see you then. 